This is the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. I'm not a good waiter. I'm not. If we go to Disneyland, I love the fast pass type thing. You don't have to wait in line. You just It's like an appointment. You get a little thing. You can go back and go on when it's your time. You, know, you just have to remember that it's your time to go. But because it, I'm not a good waiter, that also means I'm a really, really, really bad fisherman. Like really bad. You know, the whole getting the hook ready, baiting it, getting the line in the water, waiting and waiting. And then if you do catch something, nine times out of ten, it's so small, you have to throw it back. And then if you do get something that you want to keep, uh, it turns out usually to be something you can't eat. So that just doesn't work out that well. And maybe you drop your cell phone in the water or whatever. I think in another life, I probably would have been the one who, having his hopes dashed every single time, I would have just thrown the dynamite in the water, have it blow up, and I'd collect whatever was left, pieces and all, be okay. Be all tenderized, you'd be good. Well, being a fisherman, this concern about wanting to be a good waiter or a good fisherman is kind of a picture of the church. It always has been, and it always, it always will be. Because what do we do? We, we get together, and, and the church as an institution, as a congregation, we get together and we wring our hands because we look at maybe the numbers. And we wonder, well, how can we get more people? Right? Or how about, how can we get the right people? Or how can we stay, stay relevant? And so we, so we get out our, our fishing gear, and we bait the hook, and we pick the perfect bait with the perfect lure, and we go to what we think is the perfect fishing hole in hopes that we're going to capture somebody with this bait, whatever this, this bait might be. And part of the problem that we have is that, just like fishermen and how they have their secret fishing hole that they don't want anybody to know about. My, my daughter's boyfriend, when he goes fishing, he turns off his phone so she can't even find out where he is. Any other men in the room that uh, find out where your fishing hole, I'd have, you'd have to kill me afterwards? Yeah. Well, just like that, this thing that we want to protect, 
That's basically just part of who we are, protecting our church, protecting our fishing hole, whatever it might be, because at the core, we're kingdom makers. We like to build a kingdom for ourselves. We, we, we set up the castle, and we set up the walls, and we set up the parapets, and we, we hire the knights with the horses and, and the archers and, and all those things. And In other words, we look around the world, and we think there's something wrong with our kingdom, so we have to work on it and fix it and protect it and do everything we can, which includes maybe figuring out how do we lure more people to our kingdom. Or we look down the street at someone else's kingdom and we wonder, well, maybe we need to attack that kingdom. There's, there's, things are going too well at that kingdom. And it works the same way with us as individuals. That's our sinful nature. The way, the way the sinner in us works, that's how sin works, is this: we build up this kingdom and we want to protect it at all costs, usually at the sacrifice of ourselves and others. But what does Christ come and say this morning? He says, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. It's actually a threat to us because it tells us that our kingdom is under attack. That's actually the judgment that comes to us, a warning. Your kingdom is under attack, but the good news comes to us saying that there is a kingdom that will never perish. That not even the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, the gates of death can prevail against. Whereas for all of us, when that day comes and say, I bury you, Your kingdom has come to an end, but his has not. You've actually walked into the fullness of his kingdom. Because it's actually good news when he comes to us. And what does he tell us to pray, right? All of us know the Lord's Prayer. Am I right? Most of us do. Most of us have it memorized. Most of us can say it in about 12 seconds. It doesn't take that long. If you just power through it, you can say it. But what do we pray in that? We say... Thy kingdom come, right? We, we ask God, thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come. It's an interesting prayer, right? To pray that, to ask that God's kingdom would come, especially when we spend so much time working on our own, whether it be employment, family, uh, uh, house, cars, fishing, uh, sports, whatever it might be. Well, in our, in our small catechism, you know I can never get away with not including the small catechism in a sermon. You've probably figured that out by now. Um, Luther says this about that petition, your kingdom come or thy kingdom come. In fact, God's kingdom comes on its own without our prayer, but we ask in this prayer that it may also come to us. You hear that? It comes on its own without our prayer. That'll be important in just a second. And he asks, well, how does this come about? Whenever our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that through the Holy Spirit's grace, we believe God's holy word or trust in God's holy word and live godly lives here in time and hereafter in eternity. That doesn't sound much like a kingdom. It doesn't sound much like conquest. It doesn't sound like big crowns and royal thrones and all those things. And yet that's how God's kingdom works. And if you want a better picture of how it works, what kind of fisherman does Jesus call? Does he call fishermen with with hooks and lines and sinkers and bait and all that stuff? It's verse 16, by the way, if, if you're wondering. 
As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Well, to be a fisherman like that, you're standing in the shallows, right? And you've got this eight to ten foot circular net, very fine mesh with little weights on the outside so it'll sink and gather together. And you're waiting. Again, waiting. I I don't like that. Um, You're waiting for the school of fish to come by. And then it's... And you capture them. Those fish are just swimming along. And suddenly they find themselves in a net. They don't even get anything for it. At least with the hook, there might be a worm on the end. They at least get something for their work. But not with those nets, no. Instead, there's no catch and release. There's just catch. There's no lures, there's no hooks, just taken hold of, captured. And that's actually the picture of the kingdom of God that comes to us. Comes to us without our prayer, hits us over the side of the head, because it's not ours, so it can do whatever it wants to. It's not moldable by us, it's not... It's not able to be crafted by us. It's definitely not able to be handled by us. All you have to do is read the scriptures and find out how it went for anybody who tried to handle Jesus. It didn't go so well. He definitely had answers for them. Instead, it's something that happens upon us. That's actually the story of Jonah. Jonah is a horrible preacher. He's really bad. First of all, he's a grumbler. He's just a grump. I don't think he'd get past any of our call committees. Ever. He's definitely not going to, you know, make it past any call committee we ever have. He's a horrible preacher. He does a bad sermon. He finally does what God wants him to do. Then he shows up and he just says, you're all going to burn in 40 days. See ya. Peace. Drops the mic, walks out. And then what happens? They all turn. He doesn't even bring up God. He doesn't even bring up God in his sermon. And they all repent and turn. Because that's how God's kingdom works. God God can work through a bad preacher like Jonah to do his work in the lives of people, to transform us, to capture us for himself. That's hope for anyone who is a pastor or wanting to be a pastor. Like this sermon today can be really bad, but God can do whatever he wants to with it, and I know many of you are praying for that right now that God will do whatever he can with it. Repentance happens upon Nineveh not because of Jonah, but in spite of it. Hmm. To show that it's God's word that does the work. It's God's word that makes the changes. It changes everything. Moving against our will more often than not, and it has to because we find ourselves with our kingdoms wanting to protect them, wanting to to defend them. That's how how sins happen between two sinners, two kingdoms coming into competition with with one another, fighting against one another. And God comes to us and says, well, your kingdom's at an end. But Luke 12, 32, have no fear, little flock, for his father's good pleasure to gift to you His kingdom is what it says. And that's actually this pain of COVID, right? This little microbe comes along and shows us how ridiculous our kingdoms are. How many things that we've built up as our kingdoms and it gets toppled by this tiny little microscopic virus. Maybe that God is using that virus to do something. When my wife and I were expecting our first child, um, one day, 
She was very pregnant. I mean, like, very pregnant. And she'll hear this later, but she'll forgive me. She was very pregnant. And she came up to give me a hug, and it was like, whoop! And she started to laugh. And I was like, what's, what's so funny? And, and she said, well, I think this is God telling us someone is going to come in between us. And things aren't going to be the same. And it's true. It's true. 17 years later, that little girl still comes in between us all the time. I can remember she, my wife, had 30-something hours of labor. She reminds my daughter all the time. And we were at my sister-in-law's house in Apple Valley, and we were doing the walk around the block because we were trying to get things moving along here. And I was thinking to myself, this is going to be the last time I take a wife with my wife, take a walk with my wife when it's just my wife and I. Because once this baby comes, it's never ever going to be just my wife and I ever again. I take walks with my wife today, but we still have kids at home that we have to come home to. Sometimes we wish we don't, but we still have kids. And even when we're 90 and then they're almost 70, it will still be the same. That's how God's kingdom works. Just as that little girl came into our lives and transformed us to be so that the life that my wife and I had before she came into our world was completely different, and now we will never have that again. Something else has come and changed. That's how God's kingdom comes to us, in that way, to change everything, to snatch us out of the water just like a net cast into the sea to capture us for himself. He completely evaporates our kingdom. He captures us by his word, even today. That's why most of you are here this morning. You wanted to hear something from God. That's his word speaking today to try and capture you, to remind you, okay, my kingdom has come near. Yes, that means yours is over, but your time is not over because your time is in my hands, he says. I am yours and you are mine. The law of judgment being your kingdoms, they're done. The good news that we trust in is that even though our kingdoms are done, even though we do everything we can to try and build up those kingdoms, to try and have some sort of name for ourselves, to try and save ourselves by that kingdom, and now that kingdom is destroyed because Jesus has come and won, the good news that we hold on to, the turning that we do, and the trusting that we do is that whatever kingdom I build for myself doesn't matter. His does. That's actually what the whole John 3, born again, born from above, new birth thing is all about. Is the removal from us, from our kingdoms, and being birthed anew in his kingdom, given life in him. Because that's what we receive. Because as I've said it a billion times, and you'll probably hear it in every sermon from now until I don't know when, Colossians 3.3. For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ with God. That is what we've received, and that is what we have. Allow that to be so for you today. Thanks be to God. Amen.